Welcome to another Dragonlance Saga creator episode. My name is Adam, and today I'm talking with the talented musician and composer, Connor Ragas. He's composed music for local filmmakers and alumni throughout his studies. He's continued to compose music for short films as well as both short and featured documentaries and has participated in local and national competitions for film, film scoring, and music composition. Uh, before we get into it, I would like to take a moment and thank the members of this YouTube channel and invite you to consider becoming a member if you... Uh, well, if you'd like, you can visit the description below, and uh, there's a link there. And you can even pick up Dragonlance Gaming Materials using my affiliate links. Uh, Connor, thanks for joining me. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. First of all, I've seen your music on the internet in various places before, and I see the image, I'm like, oh, that's dope, and I hear the music, and I'm like, that's crazy good and cinematic and dramatic, and it's just sort of perfect for that Dragonlance vibe whether it's shadow of the dragon queen or any war of the lands campaign um though we're going to get into that i'm hoping we can get to know a little bit about you and your background before we dive into the music side of things so maybe uh let's start let's start at the beginning what what sort of inspired you to get into music composition and just performance well thank you for those kind words i really do appreciate that um I guess you could say uh, what really got me into film scoring was I was just raised with movies as being a big part of my life. Um, it took me a long time to figure out uh, how much like I really love movies and film score. Um, and it, it wasn't until I was in high school starting to figure out like what I wanted to do with my life. You know, I learned the guitar in fifth grade, you know, dreaming of, Oh, maybe I'll be in a rock band one yeah. day. And then I just started to notice how, um, how much music was really taking over my life. And, uh, you know, thinking about, Oh, uh, what college or university I wanted to go to. And I think it was in high school band. I started to learn how to play the trombone. And then I was like, wow, I'm, really loving orchestral music and then i was like wait i love music i love movies why not start diving into almost like film score cinematic music yeah so do you mind me asking are there like one or two films that stand out in your mind as like really inspiring when it comes to the score that that, that sort of put you on that path yes um i could probably tell you two defining moments in my life Let's go. um one is probably the very first movie I ever saw in theaters. Um, it was Dragonheart. Oh, wow. Uh, I loved that movie. And uh, it's the finale of the movie, right at the ending. And the pat, uh, the track, I think it's like, it's, it's like All in the Stars or something like that. It's this theme that just swelled in me like even to this day whenever i hear it i get goosebumps oh, that's great. and that was like you know when i was thinking about in high school like what do i want to do with my life i think i ended up watching that movie and like i heard that piece of music and i was like i haven't watched this in like years and it yeah. just clicked with me that's cool. the net the next movie which you know probably for so many people in my age that was revolutionary for me was lord of the rings oh yeah that is like hands down like the base of my music language is from that i i can't tell you how much i've spent of my life watching those movies listening to the soundtracks 
analyzing the score, any, anything and everything with it. Um, so, yes, I can wholeheartedly say I would not be here without Howard Shore and Peter Jackson for, you know, those movies and film scores. That's fantastic. Um, so just for those audience members watching, you can listen to a whole bunch of the music that he has composed on his uh, YouTube channel. That's going to be uh, in the description below. There's a link, but it's CR Productions slash Conoragas. Check it out. There's a lot more than just the Dragonlance music there. And uh, I think you're going to really dig what he's put together. All right, so Dragonheart, I remember that very fondly. Of course, Lord of the Rings, that's sort of bread and butter when it comes to fantasy and musical scores. When you, do you ever get intimidated by the idea of, because again, you know, that's sort of an epic scope where the music has to sort of weave in and out of uh, the actions and machinations of the characters and the plot, and it's supposed to inspire emotion and, and not only pay off visually what you're seeing on screen, but tell a grander story as well. Does, did that ever like intimidate you? Like, you know, I want to do this. This is really incredible, but how do I do this? You know, uh, yes, it, it, it is very intimidating. Um, it took uh, a long time and a lot of trial and error. Um, you know, I am a avid Dungeons and Dragon, Dragons TTRPG player. And, you know, whenever we played, I would always want to chew up music. Yeah. And one of the things I love about cinematic music is how emotional and how epic it can be but the one downfall i have whenever i uh play any of these uh tabletop rpgs with cinematic music is that the music is so tied to what's going on in the film is that even though like 80 90 percent of that track could be on point um there's 10 percent of it that just totally misses the mark <laughs> for me it's um the Bridge of Casa Doom scene from Lord of the Rings. So good. Such an epic track. It's like nine minutes long, and it's perfect for like, you know, you're doing a dungeon crawl, you're fighting some big monster, you're escaping, and then the last minute and a half is amazing music of Gandalf's Lament, but just totally ruins the mood <laughs> when you're in this huge action piece, and oh, sounds like someone dies, and I'm like, that probably works like one out of like a hundred times that track is played against yeah. something. Um, so that's what really inspired me to kind of go on this journey. But when it comes to being intimidated, I looked at it as a, as a challenge um, because I was going to be kind of putting myself up to uh, those masters of film, film scoring. So Lord of the Rings, Howard Shore, you've got John Williams, James Horner, um, too many to even name right now, but I looked at it as, well, let me figure out what they're doing and how I could do my own take on it, help me find my own voice, and then, especially for this, figure out how to make something hopefully somewhat close to a certain level to anything like that while being able to have it in the back background while playing Dragonlance or reading a Dragonlance book or anything like that. Yeah. It's funny because I like growing up in the uh, 80s, well, 70s, 80s and 90s for me, 
it was it was like old school rock and roll that I would have like in my like so I'm, I'm thinking like White Snake and stuff. Uh. We play so every time and while I'm reading like Dragonlance books, so every time I hear any White Snake track, I immediately start thinking of like the tales or or um, uh, like the Dwarven Nations trilogy or something like that. It's just sort of ingrained in my head at this point. I kind of wish it was cinematic music because then I wouldn't, you know, get distracted with uh, the other the music and everything that sort of comes with that. Um, so it, it's you, you find the inspiration, you find the challenge within yourself. Like I can I can do something like this. How do you take that from just being a kid who who loves Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy and films and film scores? to actually making a career out of it or going on the next professional level. I mean, for me, that would seem like a, a, a pretty intimidating step. What, I mean, you know, did you go to college for this? Is this something where you just continue to develop it, uh, you know, in your own time? I mean, how does, how does it work for you? Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty, I find it a lengthy story. So I went to um, the University of Rhode Island. I uh, went there for music composition. Uh, before that, all I had done is play play guitar, played a little bit of trombone in uh, my high school band. Mm -hmm. So all of my music theory was from rock. Uh, and I was like, well, if I want to learn how to write music, I should probably go learn how to write, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> write music in terms of, you know, for like uh, your classical instruments, you know. And it was a wild ride for me in terms of learning the history of music, all the different periods, going from just playing my standard power chords on the guitar to learning all the different types of advanced harmonies and everything. And by the time I was done, I had the confidence of, you know, I could I can write for classical music. I wouldn't quite say orchestral yet. Yeah. In terms of writing for a full orca or orchestra, I think the biggest piece I did in college was like nine pieces of percussion and brass. Yeah. But after that, when I came back home, I started getting all the technology that I needed. So all the virtual instrument libraries, uh, the DAW to be able to program everything together. Uh, a MIDI keyboard, and it was, you know, I worked a couple of jobs from after coming back home from college, saving up money, paying for all this. As I was getting more tools, started getting a few gigs, those started to pay me, and I was just kind of investing in myself. Uh, back in 2019, 2020, I had the opportunity to possibly move to Los Angeles and really start ramping up my career but unfortunately COVID happened so I ended Bad up timing. <laughs> just staying where I was and I started noticing that even though I was working on projects I had some other projects that were planning to come in and it didn't happen yeah. you know uh funding fell through the whole projects themselves were scrapped um and I realized for myself well if I don't have any projects coming to me. I got to do something for myself. Yeah. So it was, what do I enjoy? Well, I enjoy Dungeons and Dragons. I enjoy film score music. Let me see if I can put these together and push myself to continue my development. 
So I think that's great. Did you ever um, try to like just do you DM or do you play or both? Uh, both. Okay. So when you DM, did you ever try to make like craft your own music based around your own game that you're planning? Yes. So uh, if you look at my videos, probably the first 10 to 15 are all just random pieces of music. Mm -hmm. um, they aren't tied to anything. Uh, a lot of those came from the campaigns I were either DMing or playing in. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, like, I remember there was one I was playing at a campaign, and uh, my buddy, he was he was like, oh, I'm going to create, like, something called, like, a kobold swarm. <laughs> and he just said it was just, like, a huge mass of kobolds, so, like, they were just going to try to swarm over you. And I was like, oh, this sounds pretty interesting. And I was like, let me make a piece of music. So now I have to dive into the psychology of... <laughs> A cobalt of like what is what does a cobalt think like what is a cobalt uh, when they're together that almost like hive mind that packed mentality and you know I I went on YouTube to try to figure out like has anyone else does has anyone else done this and I really didn't find anything so it's just kind of like all right just make up something and that actually turned out to be like a sleeper hit for me that track oh that's cool. It didn't do great at first, but now it's like exploding and to be one of my best tracks. And I gotta thank my buddy for coming up with that idea. Yeah, we need more kobold swarms in our games, people. <laughs> like, so you can you now have a track for it built in, just baked in. Um, well, first of all, I'd like to thank everyone joining live that's joining live. And uh, while you're staying tuned, if you have any questions or comments, go ahead and throw them up in live chat, and we'll we'll try to get them through the course of the conversation over to Connor. Um, Chris has a question about uh, composition for a new song, but before we get there, I was wondering about um, the, you had mentioned that, you know, a lot of the uh, projects that you had queued up sort of fell through. I mean, of course, COVID affected the entire world and, and a lot of businesses just completely collapsed. A lot of projects collapsed. When it comes to the industry, um, do, you, do you find it's, it's challenging to, to, be heard to be seen is it something where there's just too much established players that you don't feel like the newcomers get enough exposure or are there programs that you're aware of that, that do allow that exposure to, to happen i think there are multiple different avenues that you can take but i do agree that it's hard to um get your voice out there you know we're in a current state of the world where um it's all about the single. You know, I started doing research of, like, should I be making an album? Should I be making single tracks? How should I kind of try to do this? Because I hadn't done anything like this before. And at the time, um, finding out there weren't a lot of other uh, composers doing the same thing. I had found several videos of, like, one-hour compilations or... Uh, like someone had written one piece and just looped it for about an hour. Wow. And, you know, some of these are five to seven years old. So they're like, you look for D&D &D music, they're right at the top. Yeah. Um, so for something like that, it was, it's, you know, it's, it's the grind and hoping that, you know, you're, 
posting on Reddit or on Facebook or wherever just to try to get some eyes on it and hopefully someone likes it. But in terms of everything else, yeah, like when it comes to projects of film scoring, video games, anything like that, a lot of it, especially at my level where I'm not in a uh, a hub for uh, media production, it is like all about who you know and uh, networking. So, you know, I've gotten jobs from working with the same producer several times and they just kind of pitched me along the way for each bigger and better project and it worked out really well for the both of us. Um, but it, it is, it's definitely hard to break out in the current environment, but it's, you know, it's being persistent and trying to do something different because everyone's looking to be the next big thing, but if you're kind of being yourself other people are generally going to like what you're doing. It can take a while for people to find it, but... Right. Yeah. I think a, a lot of it comes down to authenticity. You know, everyone has a certain, a certain flair about them just based on their culture they were raised in, the, you know, their sort of perspective on the world and, and the society that they grew up in. And it's that individual perspective that informs everything they create. Um, even when it comes to music composition... You know, you can't help but but feel uh, familiar vibes when you're hearing a certain piece with other composers that, that maybe, uh, you know, are tangential in the industry. Um, but there's always a different take on it. There's always a specific voice that comes through the work, whether it's a visual medium or an audio medium. Um, I wonder when it comes to designing for games, like specifically like tabletop role-playing games, like a video game, I feel like... You know, you have a sort of uh, a, a scene that is going to be playing over and over and sort of maybe a loop or, or you know, just sort of has endpoints in place. Whereas an open world experience like a tabletop role playing game, which is incumbent on someone's going to get drinks out of the fridge or, you know, you ran out of chips and someone's got to go grab those or someone just can't decide on what they're going to do in a particular combat scenario there are so many external factors that are going to prevent a perfect flow of a track. Um, do you consider that when you're composing? Or, I mean, how do you, how do you or is it even in, in the, the cards at all? Do you just sort of flow with it, you know, going with what the scene should play out as? So I definitely take into account uh, exactly what you're talking about of, you're never quite sure how long something is going to take or someone's pausing to, oh, let me go grab a snack or what do you all think? Should I use this spell? Or, you know, you start talking about what you're going to do. And, you know, from my experience playing games, yeah, you could have one combat sequence that in story time, you know, it's like, a minute of combat but in actual player time it's like an hour <laughs> so it's like i can't quite do that so i try to find it more into the time of the actual character but i try to give some breathing room of you know if uh if i'm doing an actual module i'll read out which parts are supposed to be read out try to figure out 
uh, how long it would take. Interesting. Extend it out maybe a little bit more. And this is from more of the, I guess as you could say, thematic or, um, you know, the big anchor points in terms of setting scene. Yeah. Stretch that out. I try to keep a tonal emotion all the way through, but I might shift it here and there so that it could kind of wiggle between, oh, something good's happening, maybe not so good, back to good. It's all about the perspective of what's going on. But when it comes to combat, it's just let that rhythm flow, and hopefully it's catchy enough where it's giving you adrenaline, but it has enough variety where if you put it on loop, you're not tired of it after five minutes. Right, right. So uh, Chris has a question here. What I'd like to do, I'm going to uh, ask the question on his behalf, and then I'm going to, uh, we're going to move over, and we're going to actually listen to one of your tracks. And we do a little bit of commentary over the top of it, and just to sort of see your process of, of putting that particular piece together and stuff. But um, before we get to that, Chris is asking, what is Connor's, uh, how does Connor start a new song? What's your first step? Oh, that's a great uh, question, Chris. So my first step is, uh, especially I'm going to use the Dragonlance uh, Shadow of the Dragon Queen as my main source of example, is the first thing I did was I read through the whole module, read through the whole thing, and I started marking down, like, all right, this is where I think could be, like, a new theme, a new piece of music, read through the whole thing. Then I went through it again, thinking about, okay, well... It's talking about this character or this place and tracking through now that I know what happens at the end, going back to the beginning of how do I, you know, if I were to put a theme in the very beginning, maybe I can make a different version of it towards the end to kind of, you know, the book end it like how they do in movies. Yeah, yeah. But once from there, once I start working on a very specific piece I usually start thinking about the setting or the psychology of it. Um, film music or, you know, film scoring is a very psychological uh, take on music because it, the composer's job is to try and nudge you in the right direction. You don't want to be too on the nose and tell them what they're supposed to be feeling. You want to nudge the audience in the correct direction so that's what i was trying to do with this nice i look at at using specific instruments for specific areas but it's just using these basic uh blocks in terms of going from just working on a specific track to looking as the whole project as a whole okay um you know i i showed you before that we were going to go to different scenes and stuff and um, I had one which was just the video but because we're going to do a little bit of voiceover on top of it a little bit of commentary I think I'm going to go to a different one where it just showcases both of us and the video and that way it'll be a little bit more natural feeling for the audience as well let me pod this down and what we're going to listen to first here is uh, Broken Circle so for those uh, I'm sorry Broken Silence my bad not familiar, this is one of the prelude scenes where a priest of some variety ostensibly meets their god, ultimately. So can you, can you walk us through this a little bit? 
Uh, yes. So the very beginning, um, I know that the book itself, it talks about you're in a dream and I wanted this to have like a very mysterious kind of feel to it where it felt a little ethereal. You weren't quite sure what was going on, but there was some sort of draw. You know, I I used uh, I had a, co a fan comment about the very beginning where I used a very similar orchestration to the beginning of Star Wars, and I was like, oh my god, I didn't hear that before, but now I totally do, and it it, it, it matches up pretty well. Not that it's the same thing, but that's something that's kind of ingrained in me. Star Wars has been around for a long time. So it slowly transitions and it starts to build upon this very, very simple theme, just outlining uh, a basic minor chord. Mm -hmm. And it slowly just starts to progress one note at a time as it's this person, this priest, kind of, they're waking up. They're finding that there's something calling them. And... You're going to start to hear the choral voices come in, and that's when they start to find the temple. Mm -hmm. Once that happens, I'm just thinking about them walking in, and they're in awe of this temple that appeared from... And they're seeing the statues of all these gods until they just see what is their deity. And I know in the prelude, the deity talks to the priest you're, you're allowed to ask a couple of questions and I wanted to make sure I gave a good amount of time of the DM thinking they're supposed to be very vague answers but just to help draw in the players and then towards the end there's this big crescendo of the choir and the orchestra and I start playing around with the, the harmony and what key the piece is in, and it just shifts. And that's when I find, or I was planning on having, this is when the deity bestows upon the priest their now divine powers. Oh, and I wanted it to be big because it's big in Dragonlance. Not... It's a big deal. Not many characters in Dragonlance, when we look at the whole, have these powers, religion-based powers, so I wanted it to feel big and epic. That's great. Yeah, this is always a, a, a challenging prelude because it, it requires a like heavy, heavy roleplay. And not every player is really great at that. You know, they, they love rolling the dice and stuff like that. <laughs> but I feel music helps ease the player into the role. And I think this music is a great way of, of sort of relaxing them, just letting them think for a minute. I think space also, just having space between uh, engagement in the game, not only allows time for the, the music to inspire and sort of influence, but also it, a little bit of space just allows the player a little bit of time to think. And I think that that's a, a, a pretty important aspect when it comes to role playing is, is not just hearing what is being spoken to you or what's happening around you, but also thinking about how would my 
individual priest handled the, the magnitude of actually speaking to an all-knowing entity that is not supposed to have existed for, you know, ever. I mean, they abandoned the world and stuff. So I, I think this is a great, great track. Thank um, you. So I hope everyone enjoyed that. Again, you can always go check out his YouTube channel. The links are in the description below. And there's also a link to his website where he has uh, some other information that you can uh, learn. So let's talk about Dragonlance. Why Dragonlance? What's your, what's your background with Dragonlance? So I actually do not have a ton of experience with Dragonlance. Um, what ended up happening was the adventure I did before the Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen was the starter set, the Lost Mine of Van Delver. Oh, yeah. And I felt that was a good spot for me of like, all right, let's 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 see where my adventure in writing music for these adventures could go. Mm-hmm. And that taught me a lot. Uh, having gone through it, it taught me a lot about my workflow, about thinking about from beginning to end. And it was like, all right, that scratched the itch of just me jumping into this. And I was like, all right, I'm ready for something bigger, a bigger challenge. And Dragonlance was announced. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I know Dragonlance has a huge history. Uh, I know a little bit about it. It is very high fantasy. And I was like, okay, let me check this out. I started reading some of the synopsis about it. And I'm like, all right, this sounds like it's up my alley for what I wanted to do. And I kid you not, once I read that module, I think I read it in less than a day. It was like in two sittings, I just tore through it. And I was like, this is exactly what I was looking for. Because there is so much depth in history, and it covers a lot of different territory. So I was like, this is perfect for me. This I get to try to make some big, grand themes push myself into trying new and different things and it fits the world and one of the things that i did and i didn't realize this until we started talking about this interview i actually watched a few of your videos (laughs) i looked up like you know tell me about Dragonlance, and i went through the history and i was like oh my god i've watched some of these videos already oh (laughs) this explains so much so it, it worked out perfect I got to kind of catch up on some of the history of Dragonlance from watching some of your videos. That's cool. So it worked out great. That's awesome. Yeah, Dragonlance, it was heavily inspired by Lord of the Rings. I mean, just to be quite honest, the the authors admit it. There's no shame involved because it's the great epic of fantasy that's ever been out there. Um, And arguably some of the first, if not the first. So, you know, if that is a prime inspiration for you, it seems like a perfect next step to take into Dragonlance and really stretch your legs musically um, to try to see, you know, what you can what you can bring to the table. What's your biggest fear, I guess? Uh, do you have one when it comes to you put your music out there? Is it that people use it incorrectly? Is it that they don't like it? Is it that, you know, they, I don't know, like what, what would be your biggest fear after creating a piece of music and putting it out there? I mean, I, I see two different biggest fears. Well, you know, one fear is the internal of, and of like, did I think that I did well? Mm-hmm. 
you know, was this not a great piece of music and I just put it out there? Um, you know, I always had that struggle because I'm a perfectionist in some ways. And I've learned, like, I just have to let things go. Like, you can't overdo it. And I also have to just get it done. I can't sit on a piece forever and just, oh, let me just keep tinkering. But, yeah, I have a, I have a big fear of, you know, if I put it out there, oh, no one likes it, no one watches it. I think that's every artist's fear of outside of doing it for themselves, if they're putting it out there for an audience to look at or to experience, it's, are they having a reaction to it at all? Yeah. So I've been very happy with the responses I've been getting with Dragonlance. Um, I've been getting a lot more responses, many of which are positive, saying that they love it, that it fits very well. And, you know, it just fuels me because it's a whole confidence thing. You know, when you're feeling confident about your work, your work comes out better, you're feeling better. It all kind of ties together. But at the end of the day, it's also for me, I have to be proud of it. And as long as I'm proud of it, if other people enjoy it, that's a that's the cherry on top. Yeah. How do you choose the scenes to uh, compose for? Um, because you have a lot of music already created for the module. Is this something where it's it's ongoing? You are you have some planned in the future that you haven't gone to yet? I mean, at what point are, are you going to feel like you're you're finished with this particular project? Uh so I think uh, when I did the original, like, track list, I think it was, like, 52 tracks. Whoa. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I think i got to cut this back a little bit. But, you know, it's like the first round. It's like, you know, this is your first draft of the story. It's, all right, let me just map out all the beats. Okay, maybe I can't write uh, an action piece for every action sequence <laughs> in the game. All right, maybe I kind of bundle a few together because it is kind of like, oh, all right, you're fighting a bunch of draconians throughout the whole thing. Oh, well, maybe I'll put one draconian piece at the very beginning that you can kind of, you know, this is the draconian theme that you can play whenever. And then, you know, maybe towards the end, I've got a new updated version of it for, you know, when we're getting towards the finale. All right, that saves me about four or five tracks that I need to write. But outside of you know the combat pieces i started to think about what were the overarching themes um you know if you've got whatever i think of uh film score music if it's a place of importance it has a theme so if i'm relating it back to lord of the rings the shire has a theme gondor has a theme rohan has a theme and so i tried to do the same thing in terms of, all right, where are the major places that these adventurers are going? Mm-hmm. All right, so I know I'm going to have a, a, a theme for Vogler, a theme for Kalaman, um, a theme for... I, well, I don't want to give too many spoilers for the end, <laughs> but right, right. I've got a lot of themes planned. Are they all written yet? No. But at the very beginning, I started writing a lot of different themes for, like, these could be potential themes, or, you know, this could be a nice starting off point. But it's 
is this an important point in the story? Is this something that's going to take time or have an emotional impact? That's what I want to write music for. Nice. Um, so there's another question here. Did you ever see the Dragonlance movie, the animated film? I have not, no. But I've heard some of the music from it. Yeah, so Carl Perso did the, the score, and it's pretty damn good. I mean, it's, it's something that it would be interesting to, to see if, uh, you know, your take on, on his version of scoring Dragonlance, because you're doing the exact same thing. I think it's an interesting sort of compare and contrast. Uh, maybe we can have you come back on and after uh, you've had an opportunity and then uh, maybe chat a little bit more about it. But it would be interesting to see, you know, how you would approach certain situations differently because ultimately the story that it's telling is, of course, uh, Autumn Twilight, which is a novel that was released and very different than Shadow of the Dragon Queen, of course. I mean, it wasn't even the, the huge war epic scenes that you're having to deal with that, that he scored. But, um, yeah, I, I think we'll have to hit you back up after you've had an opportunity to see it and stuff and, and, and see what you think. Um, you know, Dragonlance is one of those things, like Lord of the Rings or any IP like Star Wars, you know, people, if they grew up with it, if they connect with it in some visceral way, it, it becomes a part of them. And, you know, anyone else who steps in that sandbox, they, they have an emotional reaction to. Are you ever concerned about stepping into an IP that you're a little bit newer to than maybe some of the uh, older fans who are uh, perhaps running this game, um, that they would have a, a take on it that, that it differs from yours? Do you, do you consider that at all, or are you really just uh, putting this forward as your expression as a, a professional composer and, and you're going to just put your stamp on it? That is a concern that I had when getting into it, especially when, you know, I'm not as well versed in this universe as others may be. But the the way how I, I look at it is I, I I tried to find what is the story trying to say? What's happening here? And I understand it's a high fantasy the Dragonlance itself has been around for decades, and through those decades, our conception and interpretation of what sp uh, fantasy is supposed to sound like or feel like has changed. It's gone with the times. So for me, it was, this is what I know. I wanted to make a high fantasy orchestral sound mm -hmm. and for me that was it was lord of the rings it's uh bay mccurry's uh rings of power it's uh james horner avatar he uh the page master like there's so many different types of fantasy out there but a lot of it connected back to the orchestra yeah. so that's what i wanted to go with I kind of, I, I put in new takes on it, putting in some more modern effects, using some synthesizers here and there, just to give it a different feel. But ultimately, if an orca was going to play this, this is what they would play. Okay. Um, so I, I want to listen to another track here, but before we do, I wonder... Are there other IPs after you've finished with this project that you would like to explore uh, crafting music for? 
there's a ton out there. I I haven't started thinking yet. Yeah, you're Dungeons and Dragons it. has. Yeah, I'm still in the thick of uh, Dragonlance right now. I think you know. I think I'm probably about a third of the way through that module. Um, I'm thinking it. I haven't started thinking about the next project. I'm. I just want to devote everything into this, and then I'll see how I'm feeling. Um, I'm kind of open to going anywhere. Uh, you know, they left off this module as if, like, there could be another sequel to that. If maybe around that time things line up, I would definitely be interested in doing a sequel and kind of expanding the universe of the soundtrack that I'm creating. But yeah. as of right now, I have nothing set in stone of what would be next. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's listen to this next track and... Uh maybe have you tell us a little bit about it if I can find my uh, button here alright so this next one can you cue us up what's happening during the Beacons of Hope so the Beacons of Hope this is uh, when the adventurers first get to uh, Kalamon this is when they've had uh, a difficult and horrific time in uh, Vogler, and they're ex uh, uh, escorting the town to safety, essentially. And they come upon this great ancient city with these huge walls and statues of heroic knights right at the gates and surrounding the wall. And I wanted to make it feel like a moment when you got here. To show that even though the, the players themselves may not know the history of the city, I wanted the music to tell you that this is a very strong, formidable city that has gone through a lot and is a beacon of hope to the countryside. Mm -hmm. You could come here and feel like you're safe. And... That's ultimately what the adventurers see. You have the deep male choir come in, making it seem like uh, this. these are the voices of the heroes of old. Mm. And you've got the uh, heroic uh, brass, the melody very strong in the French horn, sweeping uh, through the melody itself, just kind of carrying you along as you see this city and then the tone starts to shift as in the adventure you see that there's a refugee camp out in, in front of it as you're bringing the 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 town folk to the refugee camp you're going around you might be talking to some of them and then you go back in the city and you can see the giant castle within Kalamon, seeing the uh, the beacons by the two harbors. I wanted to have some flexibility of, you know, oh, something not so great might be going on, and then you're back to seeing the wonder of the city. And it's just playing around with, I don't know how long this uh, <laughs> this sequence will take. Yeah. I played it out like a movie in my head, and it was just, let's just see how long I can take you on this ride. 
I think it works really, really well, especially with those deep vocals coming in. You have that horn sort of swelling. Um, it, I, I know, like, the, because of my setup, you're not able to hear the track as we're listening to it, but you were sort of narrating a beat for beat there for a second. Um, this is a moment of desperation for the heroes, you know? They, they've literally run for their lives from this massive unknown dragon army force that, and they're trying their best to rescue as many people in the process of fleeing as, as possible. It's sort of one of those situations where, you know, you expect a number of people to die in the process of you uh, trying to save as many people as possible. And so when you finally do see that the walled city, you're like, this is our, this is it. This is our chance of survival. This is the chance of, of getting all these people to safety. And, and then you're not quite sure is the dragon army here? <laughs> Are they on the other <laughs> side of the city that you don't know about? Like, there's so much questions, and I think this music pays off all of those concerns so wonderfully. I think you did a really great job here. Thank you. I mean, it's still just sort of ending. Uh, the track is ending here in the, the, the distance of our ear, but it's just, it's an absolutely beautiful one. Um, while we're listening to this, um, you know, I, I kind of want to, ask about the idea of um, collaboration because this is something where you know whether you're composing a piece for a film or a, a video game or a Dungeons and Dragons session um, collaboration is in any professional industry imperative and arguably incredibly frustrating <laughs> how do you work with uh, you know either directors or I, I don't know the side of it, so you, you're gonna have to tell me, but how, how is it collaborating with other creatives for you? So, you know, when you're working with other creatives, it's like in some form or fashion, it's like working with another coworker. So, you know, sometimes that coworker may or may not be your boss. Yeah. Um, you know, when you get hired for a specific project, Usually up front, it's determined, am I, how much of a say do I have in the project? Uh, ultimately, like, are you going to keep the rights? Am I going to keep the rights for it in terms of um, ownership? Yeah. I will always have the composer rights, but who actually owns the piece of music afterwards? Mm -hmm. So if it's, I own the music, at the end of the day, I have final say, but I'm collaborating. We want to find common ground. And what I found is working with directors and producers, they're generally, at least the ones I've worked with, pointing me in the right direction, if not completely right. There have been very few cases where, you know, I was right on the nose it's usually oh maybe i'm leaning a little bit too hard into this emotion or not enough and that's what's great is working with your collaborators is they have a somewhat outside perspective and if they're really good at their job they know what they want yeah. so they'll be able to guide you up oh, that's not quite right we need it to be a little bit punchier and every director, producer, or fellow composer, we're going to all talk slightly different with one another. So it's also learning how to speak their language and understand what they're trying to say. 
because many of them, you know, directors and producers aren't musicians themselves. So when they say, I want it, you know, I want it to be more epic. All right. Epic is still a very broad term. Epic can mean do you want it to be really big or do you want epic in terms of like, I just want like a very strong French horn or a trombone. Or do you now want it to turn into like a, a, a metal, speed metal track or something? Yeah. There's a lot that can happen. So it's trying to infer and, you know, you ask follow up questions. But at the end of the day, if I'm like, you have final say off or I just try to do the best that I can where they're happy as well as I'm happy. Yeah. So do you prefer to work from just conversational level, or do you prefer to see the piece and then score to the piece itself? If it's anything that has to do with footage, I have to see the piece. Yeah. Um, if it's bef- you know while something is still filming or they're trying to get a hold of me in pre-production, it's always great to talk beforehand of um, what kind of sound are you looking for? Are we looking to go into a more modern kind of soundtrack? Are we looking for very synthetic, um, drone-driven, minimalist kind of sound? Or are we going for very busy orchestral like John Williams? Are we we trying to go for something very melodic and busy like that? Sometimes just kind of where we're just finding where we want to go. And then once I have seen the footage, I try to make my best interpretation of that. Then it becomes the real puzzle of writing a piece of music while hitting specific sync points, thinking about, all right, I've got 10 seconds to put this theme in, and then I have to switch it to this piece of music. And, I, I love the puzzle of film of film scoring because it usually tells me right then and there, is this track working or not? Right. Right. Uh, something that I always run into, I'm in the advertising uh, industry, is inspiration. Um, regularly come into new clients and they want new work and you have to give them a plethora of options and uh, you know, everything has to sort of strike particular chords uh, visually in my industry and audibly in yours where do you what's your process for inspiration do you do you consume other work do you just sort of stop listening to music altogether like let's walk through that a little bit so i've definitely noticed that the more i'm writing the less i'm actually listening to music which i think is well especially film score music because i've listened to so much for my life that I'm like, if you played any of like my top 10 soundtracks, I could listen to it for probably like one second, know exactly where we are, what point in the movie it is, and I'm good to go. So I'm like, if that's already ingrained, I don't need to keep listening to it unless I'm listening for something else. But what generally happens is if you're getting like a rough cut of a film, the editor usually has a what's called a temp track. So when I work with producers or directors, if I'm getting a hold of them in the pre-production phase, 
I asked them, put in temp music if you want, if you if you want it to sound like this, something similar. Put in temp music, but don't expect the same exact thing. Because right. what happens a lot is, uh, since you're watching it over and over and over again in the editing process, uh, in the industry they call it temp love, where now all they can hear when they watch it is that track, so now you're trying to make a legal copy of that track and that can that i mean it happens that can be quite difficult of how do i make my interpretation of this track without crossing any legal lines while also servicing the movie and the director or producer so i always warn them like if you really like a tempo put in something that you you don't like but it's got a good tempo and just tell me i like it for the rhythm great now i know what rhythm you're going for and if we already talked about like i want it to be a very john william-esque sound but all right you want that with this rhythm that's a little bit easier to put together than i want a john william-esque sound but i've got a hans zimmer inception track where the horns are just blasting they they kind of you know differ in terms of uh orchestration so yeah. nice um i you know any industry i think benefits from those who have been in it longer educating those who are newer into it sort of mentoring as it were um do you have any mentors that you have relied on throughout your uh, career thus far? The mentors that I've had um, were my professors in college. Uh, I, I had guitar instructors. I had composition professor, professors. They helped me through college in learning the basics mm -hmm. of music theory, music composition, guitar playing. Outside of that, when it came to producing my music in with modern technology versus, you know, in college I was using, um, it was just music notation. So, okay, this is going to be a G sharp, this is going to be uh, an A flat here, eighth note. Now in this, where I'm like, okay, I get to play with the actual sounds, writing, mixing, mastering, etc. That was all mostly self-taught from trial and error, books, and YouTube. Uh, Junkie XL, uh, he is the composer. His uh, real name is Tom Holkenberg. Uh, He's the composer that did Mad Max Fury Road, um, 300 Rise of an Empire. He co-wrote uh, Man of Steel, as well as Batman vs. Superman. He has a whole series on his YouTube channel that he calls Studio Time, and that, oh, that's awesome. that was what opened my eyes of... He, he was just doing this for free, for fun, he likes educating, and so he did, like, four seasons of it where he just took you into his studio, and he was like, this is what my DAW looks like. This is how I program. This is 
how I do this. And it taught me so much of like, oh, that's how I get that kind of sound. Oh, that's how I should set up my DAW to be able to go right from uh, entering in the MIDI notes to create the sounds to mixing and then mastering. So that series itself, I, 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 I saved so much time just from watching that series. That's great. I think that stuff is so important. And, you know, when you get near the end of your career, you know, just to sort of pay that back to a newer generation coming into it would just be phenomenal. You know, mm -hmm. so many, so many industries are so cagey about, it's almost as if it's a competition. Like if anyone else could possibly be in this industry and know how I do it, then I'm going to be out of a job, which is just nonsense on its face, but it just helps develop the industry, you know, whatever it is, when you share, you know, this sort of insider tricks of the trade that you have learned, or maybe you have uh, originated uh, with other people. I think it's incredibly important uh, in literally every industry out there. Um, okay. So, I mean, what's, what's sort of uh, your, your dreams here? Let's, let's, let's sort of uh, look beyond what you're working on right now and maybe even in a couple of years, but what sort of a legacy do you want to leave, um, you know, when you shake loose this mortal coil? Like, what would be your, your ultimate goal of, of what people think of when they think of Conor Ragas? Uh, that's, a, that's a really good question. I think that, you know, the, the ultimate dream for me would to leave a le legacy of inspiring a future generation if all I could ever do at one point in time is give someone the opportunity and chance to have that emotion of what it was like for me listening to Dragonheart or watching and listening to the score of Lord of the Rings in a movie theater and just having their whole world change yeah. that's what I want if it's one person that would be amazing that's all I could ever ask for. You know, ultimately, every artist, I would hope that my work would, you know, it would surpass me. Yeah. It, you know, in a hundred years, when I'm long and gone, that someone would still be listening to my music. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then a sort of a technical question before we sort of close down our conversation here. We're sort of at our limit. Um Presumably, you're creating this music so other people can use it. How mm -hmm. would you prefer they use it? Do you want them to just reference your uh, YouTube playlist? Do you want them to find some sort of audio file and use that in their games? Like, what what would your preference be? And, and like attribution and stuff like that. So as of right now, uh, all this music, like, you want to listen to it, listen to it. Uh, it's up on YouTube. You want to put it in your games. You are more than welcome to. Uh, if you're putting it in YouTube videos, uh, the best thing is to, you know, put me in the, the credits, essentially, stating that it is my music. Uh, if it is, like, going to be uh, something very promotional or you're going to be collecting revenue on, I would usually prefer to just check with me to make sure that I would like my music attached to this. Mm -hmm. But this is for everyone to use and listen to, to enjoy. Once the soundtrack is complete, 
as of right now, I'm using Bandcamp. You can find the uh, Lost Minds of Fandelver there, as well as uh, my first uh, collection of tracks that I uh, titled uh, The First Adventure. Those are both up on Bandcamp, where you can purchase to have MP3s, as well as seamless, loopable versions of all the tracks. Um and I plan on doing the same thing with the Dragonlance, where once it's all done, there'll be a... I'll have probably two versions. One of just the album itself that you can buy, and then I guess you can say more of the Dungeon Master version, where it will be the tracks with seamless, uh, loopable uh, continuation, as well as I was planning on probably some exclusive tracks for more of the smaller scenes of the you know the original 52 track list i was thinking of (laughs) very cool all right well um thank you so much for joining me and spending so much of your valuable time with me and the audience uh where are the best places that people can find you and your work online uh some of the best places that you can find me are youtube uh look for cr productions connor ragus uh you can find me on my website connor uh, dash ragus.com uh, and then you can contact me at the same thing at connor period ragus at gmail.com awesome well i do genuinely appreciate your time you're a talented individual and uh i look forward to hearing what you come up with next for dragon shadow of the dragon queen so thank you thank you so much i appreciate it being here so for everyone else out there watching, go check out his music. Uh, you won't regret it. And if you can fold it into your campaign, all the better. It'll make an even more epic experience for the players and uh, sort of immerse them in what's happening all around them. Uh, that is all the time we have with Conor Ragas. What do you all think of his work? What scenes from the novels would you like him to score? Feel free to email me at info or comment below. I would like to take a moment and remind you to subscribe to this YouTube channel, ring the bell to get notified about upcoming videos, and click the like button. All that goes to help other Dragonlance fans learn about this channel and its content. And then go jump over to Raga's channel and uh, do the same there. This channel is all about celebrating the wonderful world of the Dragonlance saga. Thank you so much for joining the celebration. Until next time, for Connor and myself, Salon Javar. Maybe not. (laughs) I hit a button and it didn't work. What are you going to (laughs) do?